Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... What if we could channel all of those emotions into building solutions, into empowering young people to have ideas, to think through their own communities, to think about how they can solve things in their own way with the resources that they might have, with the skills they might have. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 373 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Daniela Fernandez. Daniela Fernandez is a visionary, nonprofit leader, and social entrepreneur who has made it her life's mission to restore the health of the ocean. She founded Sustainable Ocean Alliance in her dorm room at Georgetown University when she was only 19 years old, after attending a United Nations meeting on climate change and realizing she was the only young person in the room. Even then, Daniela knew political and business leaders were not moving fast enough to prevent disaster. Since 2014, she has catapulted SOA into the global spotlight, creating the world's largest network of young ocean leaders, establishing a presence in 165 countries, and accelerating more than 270 solutions to heal, protect, and restore our ocean. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing how an entrepreneurial mindset can equip youth changemakers to make a positive impact and the intersection between technological innovations and saving our ocean. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really exciting to have you here. And thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk about all things ocean and planet. Excellent. So to start off then, could you please share a bit more about your background and then what led to your work in social enterprise and saving the ocean? What I always love to tell people is that I never set out to become a social entrepreneur or an ecopreneur. Just to explain the terminology, we are now calling ecopreneurs to those folks that are entrepreneurs working in the climate space to solve these crises. I grew up in Ecuador. I think that my love for the environment and for our planet came from just being in this pristine, natural ecosystem of having the Amazon jungle in my backyard, going to the ocean, being able to breathe fresh air every single day to me as a child that was a norm <laughs> that was what life should look like being surrounded by by different species of birds of insects that was just my reality then watch Al Gore's movie An Inconvenient Truth when I was 12 years old and for my entire reality 
to come crashing down because I learned about the terminology of climate change and global warming. And that was just the catalytic moment for me to realize that this crisis will affect my generation. It will affect millions of people. That day when I was a kid, I put that on my shoulders to try to do something about solving this climate crisis. Wow, really powerful background there and so clear how that's fed into kind of this mission and purpose that you now have. And we covered it a bit in your bio there, but you're the founder and current chief executive officer of SOA or the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. So can you please share how is this global organization empowering environmental entrepreneurs or as you said, ecopreneurs? My journey to start SOA started when I was in college. Like you mentioned in your introduction, I was a freshman in college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life. My education was economics and political science. So I knew I wanted to influence policy. I knew that I wanted to tackle things in a systematic level. But I didn't necessarily know what I would do and how I would make that happen throughout my college career, I put on events, I brought together young people, I brought together world leaders to have this dialogue and to truly start having a conversation about building solutions. At that UN meeting that you referenced, I sat there listening to so many scientists tell us the warnings and tell us the data. And my problem was that I didn't see anyone get up and say, and this is the solution. And this is how we're actually going to change things. And so the idea was, what if I could build an organization that could prepare the next generation to not just be angry, to not be depressed and be frustrated, because as I'm sure a lot of people listening feel, it's not a pleasant topic <laughs> when you're talking about the potential destruction of our planet and our own demise. It's not something that you want to sit with. But at the same time, you feel all these emotions of hopelessness, you feel the frustration, the anger. And so I thought to myself, what if we could channel all of those emotions into building solutions, into empowering young people to have ideas, to think through their own communities, to think about how they can solve things in their own way with the resources that they might have, with the skills they might have. At SOA, we provide access to education, mentorship, funding to young people that have any idea from the grassroots level all the way to a for-profit startup company. Wow. It's really amazing some of the impact that an organization like SOA is having. And not only is it providing so many opportunities for young people to be involved in this space, but also then it's tackling this issue of what's happening with our oceans. And if we're looking now for a bit of background, right? So not everyone might be as familiar as you are with the health of our global ocean, but what practices are most negatively impacting the health of our oceans, especially anthropogenic ones? And where have you seen great examples of individuals that are tackling these problems? What we have to make clear is that the ocean problems are not in a silo. When we talk about the ocean, we're also talking about the climate crisis, because one of the biggest problems that we have is that because we're putting out so many fossil fuel emissions into the environment, the ocean is actually sucking up those carbon emissions and it's making the ocean warmer on one hand. And second of all, it's also making it more acidic. Just imagine living in a bubble of water where your natural ecosystem has a set pH level, a set temperature, and without having any control over this bubble of water you're in, 
other external influences are literally changing how you can operate, how you can mate, how you can breathe, how you can eat. And that's exactly the pressure that we're putting into our ocean. Us as humans, we are changing the temperature so drastically that we're seeing coral reefs acidifying. We are seeing migration of species change from one day to the other because they no longer have a habitat. We are seeing masses of icebergs melting at the point where sea level rise is inevitable at this point. We have to understand that the climate crisis and our emissions directly impact the ocean. And then the question becomes, why is the ocean important? Why should we care about the ocean? I'm sure a lot of people listening may not necessarily like snorkeling or like scuba diving or might not live near the ocean. But the reality is the ocean actually provides over 50% of the oxygen we breathe. That's a reality that most people aren't aware of because wow. through our entire education, we've been taught trees are the primary source of oxygen mm. and the removal of carbon dioxide, but it's not the full truth. <laughs> yes, trees play a role and protecting our Amazon is imperative, but we also have to protect the ocean to give an opportunity for the phytoplankton, for the algaes, for the seagrasses to give us that oxygen we need. That's one really important aspect of the importance of the ocean. The second one is 3.1 billion people on this planet depend on the ocean as a primary source of protein. So if you think about how much we're overfishing the ocean and how we can remove fish to the extent that we won't have any fish left in the ocean, which is happening, what are we going to do with a humanitarian crisis of 3.1 billion people not having access to fish? There's so many different interconnected situations that we have to tackle. And then, of course, you look at pollution. We are using the ocean as our personal garbage bin. We have microplastics that are the breakdown of larger plastic particles, which are now entering human bloodstream. There has been microplastic that has been identified in bloodstream and even in pregnant women. And so you have this connectivity between the inputs that we're putting out there and how it's coming back to affect our general health. That's a really important connectivity that I want to touch upon. Mm. And where have you seen some great examples of people tackling these problems that have been faced by the ocean? We're seeing people doing a lot of innovative work in creating startups and creating initiatives. I'll give you some examples, of course. You have youth leaders that are planting coral reefs, the coral reefs that are being destroyed. They're going out and literally planting them. You have mm -hmm. youth that are planting mangrove forests and rehabilitating them. We have other folks that are looking at restoring the turtle populations to increase their biodiversity. That's very on the grassroots initiative level. And then when you look at the startups that we've been supporting, you have really amazing companies like Aquai. What Aquai does is they've built this really cool fish looking like autonomous underwater vehicle, which can transmit visual and environmental data via cameras and sensors. And that just gives either an agriculture farmer, or a marine protected area scientist, the ability to understand and know what's actually happening in the ocean. How can we have the correct data we need to make decisions? And another example of a company, it's CalWave Technologies. What they're doing is they're using these buoy-like technologies to capture the movement of waves and convert that to energy, which is amazing. 
We have another company that's called Sway. They're using seaweed to replace plastic as a material. And it's actually you know, utilizing the plastic alternative and making film out of it. So the film that we utilize for everything, whether mm. we're wrapping things in the kitchen or things that are being utilized from plastic to wrap products or so. And so I think it's so amazing to see that there is disruption available in every single industry right now because the way our infrastructure and the way our economy has been set up, it's been putting profit first. Now we have this opportunity to reinvent and re-engineer every single industry and ask ourselves, how can we make this sector more sustainable? How can we change this business so that it's not harming our planet, but rather helping it heal? That's where I think that there is a lot of opportunity for anyone to get involved, no matter what background you have. You don't need to be a marine biologist. You don't have to be a scientist. You can be a data analyst. You can be an artist, a teacher. Anyone has to play a role in helping us come up with better solutions for our ocean. It's really inspiring work that you've had the opportunity there to observe and also facilitate through your work at SOA. So thank you so much for sharing that with our audience there. And if we're looking now, a lot of the work at SOA is focused in this mentorship space. So why is it important to cultivate a entrepreneurial mindset in young people who are seeking to generate this positive change? I think it's imperative that we take all the negativity around this conversation in the climate and ocean space and transform it into something that is actionable, something that is tangible and something that your everyday person can do. I have the experience of talking to so many people who say, I want to make a difference. I want to help, but they have no idea where to start. There are some actions that they can take by changing their habits, for example, and consuming less meat. They can cut their energy consumption. They can do an energy audit. But a lot of folks are just feeling like it's not enough. And I would agree with that sentiment. It's not enough. The idea here is how can we change a narrative? And instead of only saying to young people, go and write a letter to your politician or go sign a petition, how can we say, mm -hmm. let's utilize your own innovative thinking your own ability to come up with solutions that most people in power won't have. The beauty about this work is that we are telling people, tell us what your needs are. Tell us what solutions you see based on what you're facing in your own community. The approach is not a top-down approach. It's rather a bottom-up approach in which we are listening to their needs, their insights, whether it be indigenous communities telling us how in the past the earth and humans lived in harmony together, all the way to people in coastal communities telling us how to actually grow mangroves. I think it's a very beautiful catalytic relationship that you have with us as an entity, empowering people by providing resources, education, funding, and mentorship to catalyze them to then take their ideas, feel empowered, feel recognized, and just feel that there's some type of family and support system behind them. And I think that's why having this entrepreneurial spirit is so critical because we only have seven years left before the tipping point. And when I reference the tipping point, I'm talking about potentially reaching two degrees Celsius in which we get to that point in our temperature, there's no coming back. I'm talking about the tipping point of icebergs melting to the point where we can't refreeze them. There are so many tipping points, even in our biodiversity. We are getting to a point where we're losing species at an insane rate and we can't come back from that anymore. So we have to act and think about how every single day matters and how every person 
has a role to play. So if you're not working in the ecopreneur space and you don't have a entrepreneurial spirit, you can join one, you can join a project or initiative. So I would encourage people to think about it in both ways, not only being an entrepreneur, but also supporting those that are creating solutions. Really well spoken, Daniela. Just there's so much information there to digest and some really amazing terminology used there as well, like catalyzing change amongst young people and activating these people almost to be able to create these solutions. It's quite a wonderful concept there. And another key term you brought up within that as well is innovation and the role of having that innovation-focused mindset to create solutions, right? And especially, I think, within ocean-based enterprises and organizations trying to create a positive impact on our oceans, you see a lot of innovative technologies. So within SOA, what are some innovative technologies that you are seeing emerging? And how are they related to creating a social and an oceanic impact? So I mentioned a couple of them. There's another amazing startup company that's called Whale Seeker. And what they're doing is they're using proprietary AI technology to detect and protect whales from getting hit by these massive cargo ships. Of course, we're talking about the importance of not hitting a whale, which to some people may not be as critical, but... The reality is, if we don't protect whales, we are also threatening the ecosystem by taking out one of the key species. So that's important. Also, whales are responsible for utilizing this carbon emissions and being a carbon sink. So that's another property that whales have. So they're really thinking about how can we utilize technology that we have put to use for the sake of software or for the sake of making our day-to-day life easier, how can we take that and utilize it for the protection of our planet? Another company that I'll mention is Coral Vita. What Coral Vita has done is they found a way to grow corals that are more resilient to warming temperatures. So they can actually grow the corals 50 times faster in their farms and in dry land. And then they go with the corals and plant them back in the ocean. It's so amazing to see how much innovation and how much ingenuity exists out there. And the question is, how can we accelerate this ingenuity? Because we need to bring all of these solutions to market as soon as possible, because again, we're running out of time. Those are some of the other initiatives that I have been really excited to see. Mm -hmm. Wow. Those are also some really inspiring projects and really bringing that role of innovation to the forefront and how we're talking about as role that entrepreneurial mindset and being able to create these ventures that are going to create an impact there. So thank you so much for sharing that. And those were a bunch as well. You mentioned some before of wonderful initiatives and projects. So to finish off now, are there any books or resources that you would want to recommend to our listeners? The first thing I recommend is for everyone to get educated on the topic of deep seabed mining. Right now, this is the biggest threat we are facing as a collective, as humanity, because there is a group of corporations that is asking the UN body that protects the deep sea, which is called the International Seabed Mining Authority, to give these corporations licenses to mine the deep sea problem that we have is that number one, we don't have enough information, scientific data discoveries on the deep sea to know what will happen if we actually disturb this pristine ecosystem and this pristine space. Number two, scientists have proven that any type of disruption will immediately cause biodiversity loss in the deep sea. And of course, you talk about the importance of keeping carbon emissions down. There is frozen methane at the bottom of the deep sea that if it is disturbed, we are now increasing 
our chances of even having more emissions coming from the deep sea. When I first started hearing about this issue of corporations wanting to mine the deep sea, it just made no sense to me because the reality is that we have so many other ocean and climate and planetary issues we need to tackle. And yet we're coming back to the essence of greed, of profit over the sake of our planet. We are trying to educate as many people as possible to let their governments know that they are not going to be accepting of this mining of the deep sea because it's not necessary. It's going to profit a few and it's going to derail the progress we've made infinitely in protecting our ocean. So that's one area that I definitely recommend people to pay attention to and to Google and to become more educated about. In terms of other books or films, my favorite film is Racing Extinction. I definitely recommend that one. It's amazing. And the other film that I just saw recently, it's called Breaking Boundaries. And this film is all around the boundaries that we are currently facing on a planetary crisis. It goes through the ocean crisis, the climate crisis we have, the water crisis, the deforestation crisis. I think it's a really good educational overarching film to give you a sense of what's going on and what's at stake. In terms of our reading, I know that Bloomberg has an amazing newsletter on climate and also Forbes. Absolutely. A catalog there of inspiring resources and different things for people to check out to be able to learn more about the negative impacts that are happening on our ocean and all the people who are trying to address that as well as the climate. So thank you so much for sharing those there, Daniela, and all of those resources, books, films, as well as the enterprises and initiatives, as well as SOA that you mentioned throughout this podcast today. They'll all be linked in at the end of the article. So if once people have either had a listen to our conversation or they've had a read for some of the inspiring insights that you've shared, they'll be able to click on through and check those out as well and learn even more. So that actually brings us now to the end of our Impact Boom interview today. Daniela, and I just want to say on behalf of Impact Boom, thank you so much for making the time to share with us all of this knowledge that you've gained and all of these incredible insights, as well as the work that you're doing with SOA and cultivating this entrepreneurial mindset in young people to save our oceans. So it's incredible. We can't wait to follow it more in the future and we wish you all the best. Amazing. Thank you for having me. And for folks also listening, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. We're always pushing out the latest climate and ocean news and just any latest information about the blue economy or about solutions. So happy to be a resource for people as well. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.